Well, welcome to this uh, unique edition of Bevington Banter, where earlier today we recorded a podcast, and my audio didn't record at all. We recorded an hour-long show, and we sent our files to Cassidy like we always do, and she called me as I was driving home to say, your recording was blank. So Cassidy thinks that she should enter her um, raw recording with all of my missing context and her edited version for some type of editing award because she made it seem like I was never even there. So if there is anything that's a little bit confusing or or a reference that somebody makes, it's because um, I probably said something and they were answering me, but uh, she did a pretty good job. But here I am sitting with Dad. We're going to talk about a few other things that basically had to be cut out because I talked too much during it, and it would be a giant blank space. We're going to talk about some other things, too, that we didn't even talk about. Um, The first thing, which I kind of liked to see at first, was that uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott was busing illegals that were coming into their state um, to D.C. So I thought... Awesome. We're, you know, showing them what reality is, showing them how many there are. And then dad had to go ahead and burst my bubble with. Yeah, because, well, it sounds great. It sounded like Texas was rounding up all these illegals that they were that were they were allowing into the country, putting them on a bus and saying, here, Washington, D.C., you take them. But the truth is, uh, actually, the, the illegals don't have to get on the bus unless they want to. So nobody's being forced to go anywhere. They just, they're there. They'll take them if they can somehow lure them onto the bus. I don't know if they like, you know, drag along a piece of, you know, candy or something. No, the free phones. Free phones. That's right. They put a free phone in each seat on the bus and they hope that they get in. That's those new Biden phones. And then they ship them off to Washington, D.C. So it sounds great, but in reality, it's not quite what they promoted it to be. What's up with Democrat presidents and giving away free phones? Obama phones. Now these are the Biden phones. They love giving away phones. If you pass out, this was a thing back in the 80s, if you passed out free government cheese, people would be lined up down the street and around the block to get a chunk of free government cheese. All you have to do is say free. The uh, the thing with these phones is Saki was trying to convince everyone that they're giving them the phone so they can track them. Yeah. Yeah, right. I heard her say that. But then... Uh, Ducey made a great point. He says, how is that de-incentivizing them from coming into the country? Hey, we're going to give you a free phone. They know they're not going to actually use it to track them down. Right. And even if they do, I mean, come on, they, they ship them off. Well, one of the places has been uh, White Plains, New York is a place that they've been si- flying these secret flights in at 2 a.m. And so you give them a phone, say they come across the border in Texas, you give them their phone, you give them some appearance date or something, and you, then you fly them to White Plains, New York. And then we call you and go, oh, it's time to come do your date. And they just go, click. I mean, so what? So then they're going to use the phone to track them and go find them? Yeah, right. They're going to say, hey, you need to come do this. I don't want to. Okay. Right. Do you really think that they're going to track these all of these people down? They keep telling us it can't be done in order to deport them. If we can track them down to get them to show up, then we can track them down to deport them. As soon as they talked about lifting the Title 42, there was a caravan of 12,000 illegals that formed. Instantly, they're like, oh, we're getting in. So, I mean, 12,000 people. First of all, I don't like the fact that I'm buying 12,000 phones. But second of all, you're right. There's no way. There's no way to track them all down. Right. And if and if uh, one of those uh, illegals actually thought they were going to be pursued, all they got to do is take a brick and smash the phone and it's over with and go do what you want to do. So then after, after that came out, um, DeSantis in Florida was talking about sending illegals from their state to Biden's home state of Delaware. But now you're telling me that they're not getting there either. I. From what I understand, and I'm really sketchy on this, but what I kind of picked up on it, somebody was talking about it that I was listening to in the same, it was Glenn Beck, the same um, issue in the same conversation about Abbott. They, they, they aren't really busting people out. It's only if people volunteer to get on the bus and go. But that where DeSantis said that they were going to like get these flights that were coming in in the middle of the night and then ship them up to Delaware. Well, apparently they 
the government, the feds must be doing a good job of keeping it hidden from them because they're they're not like finding these flights coming in at night and getting anybody off of them to ship them out to Delaware. And then also another story that uh, Arizona Rep. Andy Biggs is um, challenging the governor, Governor Ducey of Arizona, to do the same thing and ship their illegals um, to the Capitol and, quote, time they see reality to see what it's really like. And while that's a good idea, I mean, I don't know what that's going to do. Busing them there, the cost of busing them there, the logistics of busing them there, and then what are the the federal government going to do? I saw somebody say, okay, well, if you bring them to the, you know, if you bring them to D.C., how about we just go through a ceremony, make them citizens, and send them back wherever they came from to vote? Um, And I wouldn't put that past them. I've thought for a while now that the best thing to do would be, just like Abbott's talking about, building the wall in spite of what the federal government wants, just take over the federal immigration office in the state of Texas. He should have, they've, they've deployed the National Guard already to control crowds coming in at the border. Deploy the National Guard. I'd walk into those immigration offices and just say, get out. We're in charge of immigration into Texas from the southern border now. Because I don't see... I don't, I don't see another way. You just have to tell them, you can't do what you're doing anymore. We're doing immigration. We're putting up our wall. We're going to talk to Arizona. We're going to do it with them too. That's, that's what I think needs to happen is they just need to take over immigration in their state. Yeah, I, I wish that – I mean I get the whole thing. We'll ship them to D.C. But if you're especially in Texas, just put them on the bus, take them back to the border and point them south and tell them to start walking. Give them a bottle of water. I'd start getting as aggressive with them as you have to, you know, other than physical injury, unless you have to. But you got to there has to be a line drawn somewhere. You have to make you have to make them not want to come across. And I don't think that would take very long. Yeah, it's frustrating, too, because you mentioned the Title 42 that they're going to roll back, um, which was put in place during covid uh, to to keep all these illegals from coming in because of the potential problems because of the pandemic. And now we're being told on the, that on the one hand, we have to be careful about, you know, this COVID coming, uh, you know, making a rise again. We got some politicians that have it, uh, some people on Capitol Hill, and that Fauci's out there saying we might have to, um, you know, use wise lockdowns. But at the same time, they're telling us that it's over with for the most part and we can get rid of Title 42. So which is it? It, it can't be both. I agree. But I know then that you go being logical or, <laughs> or you know, and, and it doesn't stick to the left. I mean, there's no, there's not logical about anything. So no. All right, well, let's move on. I want to talk about something I showed you. This isn't written down anywhere, but that I showed you last week, that clip of um, uh, Rush Limbaugh that kind of came back about how Biden will serve at the pleasure of Barack Obama and basically at the word that Barack Obama gives them to that Biden has done what they want him to do, fill a seat, basically, um, that they would take him out and that the media would cover for him as much as they possibly could make every excuse that they possibly could um, for him until it was time to turn on him. And I think that time is here. And we kind of see that with Obama showing up at that meeting at the White House. It just really feels like and CBS is starting to do actual real reporting on Hunter Biden and and his brother, Jim Biden. um, Not Hunter's brother, because as right, we all Jim's know, brother. that's Bo Bergdahl. But um, <laughs> the uh, yeah, Biden, Joe Biden's brother, Jim, and all their dealings. So even some left wing news sources are starting to cover stuff. And I don't think it's because you want to say it's because it's so bad that you can't cover it up anymore. But they'd find a way. Well, you know, they don't. Yeah, I'm not even sure if calling it covering it, covering it up is the right way to go about saying it they just don't report it they don't report it but also when anybody is if anybody's grilled with questions about it they dismiss it as russian information they do lie about it they there is a little bit of a cover-up yeah obviously obviously the best way to have a cover-up is don't talk about it right but if you are forced to talk to talk about it they have their lines you know pre-scripted that they're supposed to give and they've done that 
Um, but what I'm what I'm talking about is um, I've lost my train of thought. Well, I just go back time and time again, and I'm always I just marvel at this at watching him walk around, just wander around in the, you know at the reception for Obama, and and literally nobody will even look at him and pay him any attention, and he got more votes than any president in the history of the United States. Are you still sticking with that nonsense? I would love to get like a hot mic backstage where Biden's like, listen, I got more votes than you did. And Obama just spill the beans and go, no, you didn't. <laughs> we did that for you. <laughs> yeah. Read your lines, eat your pudding, Yeah. take your talkie pills, and... Do what I tell you to do. I, I don't know if people realize I was having this conversation with someone today in my office. If you realize how few votes it takes to turn a presidential election. Oh, yeah. It doesn't take very many. No, it's because if, if you if you get all the if you get all the swing states, I mean, their total votes are sometimes razor's edge. Yes. All you have to do is flip that state and it makes it look like right. the the Democrats always are all are already winning the popular vote typically it's the electoral vote where the republicans win and it happens all the time popular vote goes to the democrat it i think it happened with uh it it has it happened with bush Mm -hmm. it definitely happened with trump Trump. and that happens all the time so they made it to where the electoral looked like it was kind of i mean it was a dead heat but it doesn't take very many you only need it could come down to thousands of votes. Right. You could you could thousands of votes in a particular city in a particular state can swing the whole state. Like Philadelphia, right. like or Detroit, Milwaukee. like Atlanta. Um and then there there goes 23 electoral votes. Yeah. You get them all. You most states if you win the state, you get all the electoral votes. So literally across the United States with I would say several hundred thousand votes, you could swing a complete you could have 160, you know, million votes, and a couple hundred thousand could turn the election. So it's it, it doesn't have to be as big, grandiose, fifty-state undertaking, hacking voting machines and all that that people think that it that it has to be. And to be honest, that is what that is what I like about the way that U.S. elections are done. That the you know that the majority cannot vote away the rights of the minority right that's how that's the reason it was designed that way the problem is when they have when they have control of those and when they cheat and how easy it is to cheat right if it's run a clean election that was part of the fear of the founders is they believe that there was such a thing in a pure democracy as a tyranny of the majority and 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 above all else you have to understand at the most basic level the constitution the frame of uh, form of government they put into place was to protect the rights of the individual over the masses you know the the individual won out over the masses you know generally speaking that's the way it's framed so um and i i get so frustrated with you know they are they are we are like We've turned the word democracy into like a weapon. Yeah. Because if you're against democracy, it's it's the whole it's the theory of the um the save the puppies bill. I mean, if you name your bill something, right. it's just the words the Democrats are so good at using words as weapons and their messaging and you know, you don't say gay. Right. You know, everybody thinks that's the name of the bill. They think it says that in the bill now. It, it's unbelievable. Did you see uh Babylon B's headline they just put out? Canadians are up in up uh, up in arms over the don't say a bill. A? Yeah. And it's like, it goes through this whole story. It doesn't say A anywhere in the bill. (laughs) A? See, and that's where I would say that that's absolutely can't be true because there's no way a Canadian wrote a bill without putting the word A in there somewhere. It has a so-and-so Zamboni driver, the head of the protest, (laughs) blah, blah, blah. Zamboni, Zamboni mechanic. Yeah, it's pretty funny. It just popped up about half an hour ago. I I never noticed it before, but they say that that's the way that Midwesterners are with oh, like oh, 
Sorry about that. Uh, like you ever hear? You, the more you think about it, think about it from now on when you go. If you do, when it you all go. Time, oh, you I didn't see that. you there. Oh, oh, that's like R A. I I've always wondered what it was the Omaha. Omaha with with uh, Peyton Manning. Oh. Every single play, he said the what I was it? Just something that he just that you said, and then he just got stuck. And he just kept doing it over and over. Um, Rogers has a, a, a f- something he says pretty much I think every single play. So you the, think they say it without thinking? I, like I, it doesn't mean anything? I'm thinking maybe I can't understand like it's like why a, else you would say it. And oh, and then there is the go-to fill-in word for the uh, for your leftists and your um, your your brain-dead social justice warriors. Like, like this, like, like, they put like in everything. Every third word right. is like. Well, that originated, that's an 80s thing out of the valley in the Southern California, the, you know, the valley, um, the valley well, girls. That was the, yeah, is where that originated. But valley girl is a stereotype for a reason. Right. Because. Yeah, well, they're not. Well, I can tell you the valley, any valley girl was not on the, was not on the right wing. No. <laughs> You know, I was thinking about something today. 20 years ago, we had a, 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 we had a, we were in a situation politically in this country where we would talk about there are people who are um, they are um, socially liberal, but fiscally conservative or vice versa. We don't talk like that anymore. We, we don't we don't talk about politicians and commentators and stuff and people, opinion people who we say, well, yeah, they are a social, they're a social liberal or cultural liberal, but they're, but they're financially conservative. That, that it's all very, become no. very melded into yeah, this. It, it became so polarized that it, it wasn't that long that we were talking like that. I, what, eight years? Yeah. It I mean, I, I was, I was talking yeah. about people being um, socially liberal, fiscally conservative. The the biggest example of that is probably a lot of the male gay community. Right. Those guys are, for the most part, if if it weren't for you know them being told that, um, that the right is so anti-gay, which the more and more they push all this stuff on me, the more and more that becomes true. Um, but they're very conservative when it comes to money. I mean, they're not stupid. They're a lot of them are. I mean, I'm not talking about your pride parade flamboyant uh can I well am I gonna get Cassidy to put an explicit on here if I say assless chaps? Well, well find I've out. said it now, so you can either beep it or put a put an explicit or whatever, but, but there, I'm not talking about that kind, but there's a lot that are, you know, they're well dressed prof- businessmen, professional. professional. Right. I mean, look at someone I that I disagree with, but that in on in a lot of ways I agree with him. Dave Rubin. Right. Um, that's what I'm talking about. Right. That is, and strangely enough, only on a few things he's liberal, because even even for the most part, socially, he's still conservative. It's hard to even say that. Yeah. After his whole surrogate, two gay men raising two babies. Well, I you know what? I, I, I lumped that into the category. I have this... Very, very ultra. It seems ultra simplistic saying about life, and that is, people want what they want. When you boil it all down to all your opinions and all your political beliefs and and so on and so forth, the bottom line is, when people are faced with w- wanting to get what they want, they throw all that out the window and they just simply want what they want. And he can be very, very conservative in a lot of different ways, but the truth of the matter was, in in whatever arrangement he has with his partner, they wanted a child. So whatever all that other stuff meant to them, that overrides it. People people just want what they, you know, they want what they want. They believe what they believe, and they want what they want. It was shocking to see groups as a whole, maybe not individual commentators, but like PragerU and Blaze TV congratulating him on his... I mean, you don't have to bash him right. and just rake him over the coals, but you also don't have to say congratulations right. because that's that's still not right. I I uh, you know I've always had this belief um, when it comes to homosexuality, it's not 
it's not the unpardonable sin, the way the church, a lot of Christians have treated it. We all um, have sins that we commit that um, makes us just as guilty uh, in God's eyes, and and that's no different. Um, the Bible only lists one unpardonable sin, and homosexuality is not it. Even divorce is not it. I mean, God's pretty strong on divorce, too. Um, he gives He gives two specific only two specific reasons that he allows for divorce and yet christians don't have any trouble getting a divorce so the bottom line is is homosexuality the the point about all sin is it's not god's best for your life it's not the way god designed us to work it's therefore not going to produce the and bring about the best plan that he has for your life is it going to make you put you know does it automatically make you the most terrible person and, and have this horrible life no but it's not the best that god has for you i think the biggest differences right now between other sins and homosexuality not in their severity obviously because no sin is different um to god is just how it's being taught as accepted. It's it, in the woke church, in what we've talked right. about before. Um, no other sin like that is being taught as being accepted as much as homosexuality is. Well, it's not being taught as a sin. Yeah. That's yeah. If that's just it. Now, if I were, you know, if if I were to be attending, you know, some woke church. And I committed adultery and it became known. Let's say I was committed adultery with the preacher's wife. Mm-hmm. That became known in the church. I, I would be condemned for that, I'm pretty sure. But and, and I should be. Yes. Um but the homo but that's so that's sinful, but the homosexual couples in the church would not be labeled as sinful for their for their acts. Yeah, and, and I, I agree, it is all the same. It's just the way that it's being treated right now is not the same. I, I would say this, and I've kind of come. I do believe that there are some sins that are worse than others, but they're all they all make you guilty. Yeah. So therefore, you get this, this consequence is the same. Oh, they're they're different I mean, to as far us. As you got judgment yeah, before God. To man, those sins are different. I mean, murder is different than you know petty theft. To me, I don't. I don't know. I don't think it is to God. Well, it doesn't really matter whether one's worse than the other because the penalty for sin, you know, if you break one law, you're guilty and yeah. you and you deserve. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, because it's it's uh it's, when it comes, it's pass fail. Yeah, it's yeah. perfect or not perfect, <laughs> and there is not an in between. Right. Um. So it's just been shocking to see the way that conservatives. I I just wonder if you could really get the gay community to be honest and if you could talk and I don't think I don't think we're hearing much from them they are just being uh, a tidal wave over by the transgender movement and oh, they yeah. just be, they become like third class citizens on the uh, on the it's the hierarchy of the oppressed yeah exactly yeah, who, who, who's oppressed yeah, more they're the oppression nothing Olympics. anymore you're, bo- you're, you're just yeah. you're just straight you're just plain old you're straight gay well, yeah. how boring more recently, special. more recently, um, women have been bigger victims than yeah. gay men. Yeah. Oh, if you're a white gay professional man, back of the bus. Yeah, you you're only you're, one, you're only one seat, yeah. seat ahead of me. You're barely a victim anymore. <laughs> it's just been shocking to see the way the conservatives react to it. Also, what's been shocking to see conservatives react to is. Um, People having a slight little showing of conservatism and then all of a sudden just remember when um, remember when was it Nicki Minaj came out and was talking against COVID restrictions and somebody made a joke that she was getting invited to CPAC to be like a speaker. That is not that far off. I mean, they show a little glimmer of conservatism and all of a sudden we worship them right and it's happening with it's happening with who who we're gonna talk about here soon a little bit more in depth is elon musk because that is a that is a complicated man and then um bill maher who we have already talked about i think that's part of the show that got cut out earlier so we could talk about that a little bit is him showing a little bit of conservatism what the fact that we call not wanting to genitally, you know, mutilate children's genitals as conservative, we have to say only if you agree with that, you have to be conservative. Yeah. No, he's still a raging liberal. Joe, Joe uh, Rogan got yes. pegged with that too for his COVID 
uh, interviews. Uh, Glenn Greenwald is one that he got run out of his own his own uh, media group that he founded. And so he he I mean, he, he lives in Brazil, I believe, um, and just stays out of the country and stays away. They got like they're out for him. He's how we used to disagree. He, he He's is, the way we used to people, disagree. He's founded these in reality. People are liberals. They are liberals, yes. but they are not nut, to, no. nut job leftists. I would still describe them as realists. They yeah. just have a different. Yeah, they have a different perspective, but they live in reality. It'd be it'd be like a say, and I don't know if this is Bill Maher's position, but let's say Bill Maher would say, "Look, like, look, this is crazy. Men can't be can't be women. I'm I'm not nuts, but at the same time, I like the idea that we should be uh, we should let people into the country. We should give maybe explore the idea of universal basic income. Those are liberal positions. the The whole idea a man can become a woman that's a nut job leftist position. And they're not that. Yeah. So we we need to we need to just. And and they're very upset. And the reason that you hear them speaking out is because they feel like their Democrat liberal party has left them. That's a old Reagan line, isn't it? Yeah. I didn't leave the Democrat party. The Democrat party right. left me. Right. And that's the way these people feel now because they've moved even farther oh, left. I feel that way about the Republican yeah. party now. Well, other than about a half a dozen Republicans, they're useless. Um, one one of the things that Bill Maher has been was talking about, and this was uh, suggested for us to talk about a couple weeks ago by what seems to be our number one fan, Captain Kevin. Um, shout out to Captain Kevin. He sent a video clip of Maher talking about using Zelensky as an example, but talking about real men. You know, masculinity. masculinity. What's a real man? And uh, he says, you know, women women still like real men. And then he calls Zelensky a real man, which don't get me started on that because I'm not 100% sure about that yet. I still think there's something weird about that guy. He's a puppet in Washington, D.C. The man was a comedic actor who starred in a sitcom about a regular Ukrainian guy who gets elected as president of Ukraine. That's And he played in this sitcom as the president and then ran for president for real and won. We basically engineered the ousting of the guy before him. To we get may him have in written there. that sitcom. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if like the UN or or the UN or NATO or whoever, probably the UN, wrote the sitcom just for him <laughs> and made everyone look at him and say cuz there was a couple times in the show I've seen a couple um clips from it where he acts real presidential. Hmm. Where a couple times where you know where com- comedy shows every once in a while get real serious and they have like a serious heartfelt moment they did a couple things like that where they gave him this monologue and he looks like a real leader and he won an election for president because of that i because of that show i swear that's what it was about but anyway don't get me started i don't think he's a real man bill maher talks about how you got to take a little bit of the toxic with the masculinity and that is where i really have a problem because there is masculinity and there is toxic masculinity. I do think there's parts of it that are toxic. I think that leftist policies are causing it. I think that boys who grow up without fathers and seek uh, the, the, the fatherly role some, in other places or just don't have it at all um, are being done a real disservice, obviously. They're, they're definitely at a big disadvantage. I think that uh, schools teaching boys you know to to sit still or or that their masculinity is toxic just saying toxic masculinity to them and they say oh my masculinity is toxic and all these different things that they're not supposed to do they should be aggressive but they should be taught when to do it how to do it i mean there's you you play sports you let that aggression out you wrestle you know things like that the right way to do it because when that aggression comes, they need to know how to handle it. You can't just tell them to never experience it. They're going to experience it. But when you tell them to bottle it up inside, give them no outlets, don't tell them how to be a man, that's how you make school shooters. Yeah, and a part, I, I'll start with the right... It's the mislabeling. What, what they, they take what is masculinity, normal masculinity, and they add the adjective toxic and it's not toxic it's just simple masculine they're mislabeling masculinity 
for their political purposes. They, they want to say, if you act like a normal, healthy man, you are toxic. And that's not true. No. No. But, and like I said, you have to be taught when is the right time, you know, how is the best way to, to release aggression you're going to have. Your boys are going to experience, you know, testosterone. They're going to get angry, but it, you can't let it turn into rage. And we're, we're bottling it up and creating these little rage monsters. And I was talking to you a little bit ago, the way I would, I'd compare it is we own guns. My kids are, they live around guns. I mean, I heavily restrict access. I'm in control of them. Um, They don't have, you know, a lot of times they don't have rounds chambered, things like that. But they know what they are and they're going to need to be taught that. I want to teach them, you know, slowly the right way to respect guns, when to use them, how to use them, in which circumstances you use them, because it's almost, it's an inevitability living with me that you're going to be around guns. So teach them. And that's a preventative for a lot of accidents. That's the opposite of what we're doing. Boys are going to experience puberty, testosterone, aggression, but you don't teach them how to use it. That's when accidents happen. Yeah. Especially even like in a, um, yeah, it's, it's such a complicated thing because nowadays everybody goes, our culture has become even like a junior, like you said, boys hitting puberty. You're talking, you know, sixth, seventh grade. Um, nowadays, uh, they just go straight for a knife or a gun. Where it used to be, we'd have a fight. You know, we 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 got, and that wasn't a bad thing because you could get in a real physical fight as a seventh grader and not do too much damage. And then you real you learn a lot from that. It's like that's I when I'm eighteen, twenty, twenty two, I don't want to do that. No. That really has to be a last resort yeah, thing. You get it out of your system, but because they've and never you, been you in learn. real because they've never been in real fights, you're right. It, adults, um, they weren't in fights before and they don't know that when your first fight is when you are, you know, early twenties with another guy that's in your early twenties, you're going to kill each other. Yeah. You could get punched one time and have your whole jaw or orbital, you know, eye socket or something just completely shattered. I mean, yeah. you could have, it takes one really, hit. Yeah. It takes one hit to get happen. knocked unconscious, hit the ground and die. Right. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's a good point. You, you would get it out of the way when you were younger. You would, you'd get a little older and you'd learn, Hey, this hurts a little yeah, more. Yeah. Fights in grade school and junior high were not uncommon. Um, when for me growing up and the guys I knew, but by the time you got to high school, um, it was different. And and not that I never got in a fight in high school, but um, it was much more measured than than just ah, like a junior high kid, you know. So, so that that's basically. But I just think I think there's a lot of mislabeling. That, yeah, I think for the purposes of controlling people, they just take normal guys and say, "Well, you're because you're a normal guy, you're toxic," and that's not that's not true. Yeah, toxicity isn't a prerequisite for masculinity. No. You don't have to have you don't have to be toxic. No, to be masculine, and that's that's where I mainly disagree with that with that video. Oh, well, you have to take a little bit of the toxic if you want the masculinity. No, you don't. But see, here's the difference. I think Bill Maher, he's okay with that because. Bill Maher likes it because it gives him an excuse to be a jerk, and he is a jerk. Yeah, and I think that there's a difference in— So um, he's saying, we, excuse it, excuse it, because you got to take a little bit of my jerkiness yeah. because I'm a man. You've, you've done sermons about being meek, you know, having the ability to be violent, you know, keeping but your, keeping your sword sheathed. Right. Okay, well, to him, you know, that kind of— masculinity but within the context within the confines of the bible within the confines of what god wants right. it to be that doesn't exist for him because he's a godless right. heathen right and that's the first thing you have to understand since god created man god gets to define what a man is and what's masculine and that's where we need to go to to look to understand what true masculinity is and the biggest source of masculinity is having the power to control the world around the Peep the things that you're responsible for. So it takes it takes the pa- the strength and the wisdom to be able to do that to control the world around those things that you're responsible for, and yet at the same time to serve those things that you're responsible for. So men are masculine, women are feminine. There's none of that 
in between stuff. And we got to stop teaching that. And I want to start talking about how we're teaching it in schools because we're talking about how we're making, we've already started talking about how we teach boys basically that masculinity is bad and you shouldn't get in fights and you shouldn't grow up to be a man, man, bad, be, be sensitive. Um, and I want to talk about this groomers thing. The, just the term groomers and the way it's starting to be used with some of these teachers and how uh, they got mad at this bill in Florida and they wanted they're leaving the state to go teach in another state so they can continue to, I don't know, put into their curriculum. Wasn't that the whole thing about the Florida bill is it wasn't saying that you it wasn't don't say gay and it wasn't even don't talk about it at what, all. It was right. just it, it can't, can't be in be your a curriculum, part of the curriculum. Well, it, that makes them mad. They want to teach it. Right. And I actually heard somebody, and I was actually surprised at this, where uh, a young man was commenting when, um, and he was a little older now, but he was saying when he was in high school, they had a whole section, he called it, that was a part of their curriculum on these gender issues. So he did experience that it was a part of their curriculum. And that actually kind of surprised me. Um I guess I shouldn't be that naive to think that it didn't exist, but yeah, it actually was. But Florida is, it can't be a part of the curriculum. It doesn't say that it can ever be talked. It can't say that if it's brought up, it can't be discussed. It can't say, it doesn't say anything about words, certain words that can't be used. It can't be a part of their curriculum. And that's only for like up to third up to grade. Third, through third grade. Which is point. not and then, far and, and enough. Then what, and then it says age appropriate at any level. Well, who gets to determine yeah. that? I mean, personally, they, I think it should be all the way through high school. They say that it's too vague and it could leave them open to whatever. I agree. It is too vague. It's so vague that it could, it's probably barely going to be able to be enforced. Right. I, I, yeah. I say it's vague in the other direction. They, right. So uh, I agree. Um, it's really, now, it's not the, for as much as they're, that's what, for as much as they're freaking out when you read it, it's there's a nothing not a burger. lot of teeth. It's yeah. It's, it's yeah. Um, now Ohio apparently has drafted or it's in there somewhere, a bill that's somewhat similar, except it goes full on K through 12. Um, which, okay. I'm good. I'm good with that. I, I think that Florida's bill should be a little bit more strict. I heard, uh, Michael Knowles interviewing uh, a, a liberal friend of his, a female, and she was saying, you know, again, kind of um, this is an overreaction, uh, the Florida bill. And she said, you know, it's there's it's so not that she said it's I'm not saying it doesn't ever happen, but it's it's such a small amount. It shouldn't be we shouldn't be having this statewide legislation to respond to it. And my thought was this, you know. I I hear what you're saying and I get it, but let me tell you this: if if my child was in that one class that it was happening, it'd be too much for me. For me, my, if my child was in there, that's all I care about. So yeah, maybe it does take state legislation to do something because it's not their job. It's not their job. I want to I want to bring this. Up. I've been thinking about this. Um, my wife has been a teacher for 34 years uh, and. So much of what they do and what teachers teach and how it's handled, and even substitutes now. I mean, the substituting game is very different because they're so desperate now. But anyways, in the past, has been a lot of it. Uh, you can't sub in a classroom more than in Ohio, like five days, if you weren't credentialed in that in that subject. That's even for subs. You have to be credentialed. You have to be credentialed to teach that subject. And so there's even things like in Ohio, and it, I'm, it's different in state to state, but I'll just use that as an example. You can be credentialed for like middle school, sixth through ninth grade. So you can't teach, let's say you're credentialed English middle school. You can't teach English to 10th graders because you don't hold the credential. That's the way it is. And I would say that about this. You're not a biologist, not, not, so you don't right. know what a woman yeah, is. You're not credentialed to teach this. Go in the classroom, teach what you're credentialed to te teach, and, and beyond that, just be quiet. Because you have no—if we're going to hold you to credentialing that you can't even t teach English to 10th graders if you're only credentialed through 9th, and you could get in trouble for it, then why in the world are we allowing this to happen yeah. for all these people that are not credentialed to talk about this? We're constantly being told— you're not an epidemiologist, so you can't have a common sense opinion on this. Or, you know, you're not an economist, so you can't have a common sense opinion on this. Okay, you aren't 
whatever you need to be to talk I can, about uh, I can you know, tell you gender ideology. I'm, so I'm keep your mouth shut. I'm credentialed to talk to my children about it because their mother and I, um, we know what it took to create them. We know how it works. I hold a cred- I have I am credentialed to know what it is to be a man and a woman and produce offspring. So I'm credentialed. But you and a teacher, as a teacher, what the state requires, you are not credentialed. So shut up, teach English, teach math, whatever you're credentialed in, and leave it there. I don't even know, you know, it's so, again, it's just another one of those areas where there's so much hypocrisy. It just drives me crazy. And again, this is another thing that could be put into a one-page bill. Yeah. Like you've always said, we should not have any bills longer than the Constitution. I could make that very straightforward. I could do it, and I could probably make that bill in half a page. That's a great policy um, that should be enacted. Teach the subject you're credentialed in. Shut up. Shut up, shutting up. <laughs> Get your pay- paycheck. You know, and I have an idea that I've really that I have to say I really like uh, teachers. You know, I, I'm all there are good teachers out there. There are bad teachers out there. It's like everything. There's good and bad pe- preachers. And um, but the, there's so much protection through the unions. If I was on a school board, the next time my union, the teachers union that I worked, you know, with as a school board member came up, I would uh, say, you know what, we're going to give you, we're going to increase your pay scale. You're going to get more money. We, we think that, but here's, here's, if you, here's the offset, here's the trade-off. You're losing all this protection that you get to where we can't get rid of you if you're not doing a good job. So, I mean, you want the money, do a good job. You know what? I, I don't think that your overall budget would go up. You know why? Because you're going to be getting rid of some teachers who've been hanging around a long time that aren't any good, and you can hire some 23-year-olds at a lot lower on the pay scale. Yeah, there was a point in time where unions were a good thing. I mean, we got to the point where people were basically, during like the Industrial Revolution, when it was really needed, when people basically turned into almost slaves working for nothing— Unions were a good thing. Now they keep people who are bad at their jobs employed. The unfortunate thing is, is the whole, the new thing. And I, I wasn't, you know, a big fan of labor unions, but the dynamic has changed in that uh, I was having this discussion today with somebody who's a retired factory worker. And I, my heart goes out to a lot of these people because they aren't making any more money than my neighbor who worked at International Harvester 40, 50 years ago. Because all the off, because all the uh, manufacturing has gone overseas, and that's just not right in this country. In the United States of America, that's just not right. No, yeah, we we had been talking about that recently too. Um, talking to somebody at uh, at work that they how much money they used to make, you know, back in the day working at a factory, it was more, and they yeah, weren't you right. they and they. They weren't unionized. I, I know there's a lot of jobs now that aren't unionized that are making right. the same thing that unionized places are, except they're paying dues. Right. Well, and that's one thing, too, is the, the largest ma- employer here in our area is a non-union factory and always has been. But they paid good wages to keep the unions out so that the people weren't so they weren't interested in unionizing. Why would we why do we need to unionize? We're getting paid well. Some of the stories I've heard from, uh, like, a lot of the union stories coming up. I mean, this is just going on right now. I think Biden just gave some speech about yeah, unions. Um, some of the stuff at Amazon sounds like, hey, maybe you should unionize. It's not necessarily for pay. It's for, like, Working hey, we need to be able to go to the bathroom right. once during the day. I mean, there's some things that are just completely yeah. unreasonable. The stories about Amazon warehouses are basically, like, sweatshops. Yeah. And that is exactly when in history it was a good thing to put unions in place. They are experiencing pretty stinking close to that now. Right. And in those instances, I'm not opposed to right. it. And I've always had a problem with like that. How many billions and billions of dollars more do you need, Jeff Bezos? Yeah. You can't give these people a couple of dollars an hour raise yeah. and let them go, go take a leak? I think your margins could get a little smaller. Yeah, exactly. It's insane to me. That's like we talked about a while back about all these people going overseas saying, you know what, you're, you're, you're a $1.7 trillion company, but if we, if we move to China, we'll be a $2.3 trillion company. What's wrong? 1.7 is not good enough, but you're willing to sell out the country for a little bit more. I, I don't I don't get that. You know, I don't get that. It's almost like we should have a 
president who's like really anti-China and like makes policies <laughs> that are, you know, in favor of U.S. labor instead of Chinese labor. I wish that we had a president <laughs> like that. That'd be great. Andrew Clavin talks a lot about um, pure pure capitalism is not good without a moral component. It has to be balanced. That's no, the same moral, thing as the United component. States Constitution. Right. Exactly. Everything everything can be a good framework that can then be completely destroyed if it's not morally handled. Yeah. Yeah. Like our election. Yeah. Like the way our laws work. Uh, capitalism probably more than anything because there's well in politics the reason to um the reason to be that you know that devious person inside the framework is power and in capitalism it's money i mean there's always some money and power yeah money power sex that's the big that's the i think that's the big three well even just in a, on a personal level, I mean, you're talking about your absolute hierarchy of people's needs to live. You have oxygen, food and water, warmth, shelter, and sex. I mean, those are, you know, that's that's the top four. I mean, those are basic human things to exist. Um, but when it comes beyond that, then people want to amass power. And they've got it. Yeah, there's so much, you know, we, we, I don't want to get into a whole bunch of China stuff. I don't know how much got on the previous one with Huawei and the 5G and all this kind of stuff, but it's just, you know, they're, you know, then Lloyd Austin and, and uh, Matt Gates got into it over hypersonic missiles with China. And we just have to be really careful. I mean, they're, and they're, 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 um, they're kind of teetering their way through this as well because they've, they've, um, apparently built whole cities that nobody lives in. So they've got this, while they, they're buying up our debt, they've got massive debt and it's, they're kind of teetering, but at the same time, um, it's, it's a, they're, they're buying up our houses or buying up our farmland. They're, you know, getting their technology in here and stealing all of our technology. Um, it's, uh, it's going to turn into a resources game. I, I rather is what just, it is. I mean, it's going to be it, it, most, most wars are, but this is really going to be, I'm not. I'm not opposed to sending manufacturing overseas, but we have to do it on our terms, not and not the company's term, the United States terms. What's going to be good for the country? Okay, ABC Widget Company, it's good for you, great. But is it going to be good for the country? Is it going to be good for America? Is it going to be good for your employees? Yeah. The answer is when it comes to China, almost always no. Yeah, it's exactly. Probably, it's going to be almost. It's going to be always no. Right, and and that because they. They will not take China. Will never settle for anything less than absolute victory. That, that's their goal. We're going to win this thing sooner or later. And that's why I wonder about. And I had in our notes. I wonder how this is going to work out with this whole World Trade Organization and the whole Great Reset and the ruling. You know, this this great ruling class and all this because they want to rule at a class level, not a national level. China, Russia, Iran, places like that are never going to subservient, you know, be subservient to some class of rulers. They, 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 they don't believe in that. They, they're not on board with the Davos great, you know, great reset crowd. They want national domination where the Davos crowd wants to rule by a class of people around the world. So those eventually, those are probably going to come to a head sometime, but China, Russia, Iran will never see themselves taking a backseat to some, to, to anyone else. Nope. So as much as I worry about, you know, Klaus Schwab, um, I also know that Xi would uh, take him out without a second thought if he caused him a problem. So I don't know how that'll all work out. It'll be, hope I'm around to watch. He'll need an army. Yeah. Like, I mean, someone like Klaus Schwab needs the UN, Who's your I guess. army? The UN. I'll put my. I'll put. Are we taking bets on this? I'll China versus money, the UN. I'll put my money on China. Well, are we included in that? Is is uh is Lloyd Austin still the sec def? If he is, I might bet on China. Right now, yeah. Yeah, did you see this? Did you see this? This is a few wrap-up things where um, 
you know, all the Biden, Hunter Biden stuff is crazy. But did you see where, you know, th- this whole idea that there are bio labs funded by the U.S. in Ukraine is definitely legit. And one and some of that funding was came from um, a Hunter Biden, uh, a um, group of was it Rose, Rosemont Seneca is a, uh, a financial investment group that he, um, you know, was his basically and some other people. And they helped fund. They are funders of these bio labs in Ukraine. Bongino calls Ukraine an ATM. <laughs> That's what was going on, has been going on for the last, you know, 15 years or 20 years or whatever in the Ukraine with all these players since the Soviet Union went underneath. So it's interesting. So, so Hunter Biden's uh, involved in that too. His investment group is in the bio. But this one, I, I really want to just point this out for people to be thinking about. A week ago, uh, roughly, the White House announced support during, I think it was with the, um, what was they called, that Transgender Day of Visibility. Visibility, okay. yeah. They came out in support of supporting kids that want to transition. And they referenced that this was a good thing to transition for kids. And they referenced a study that was produced by something called the Trevor Project. The Trevor Project is an LGBTQ plus organization. And the and, and this study that they had the funding, a good portion of that funding that came for this study that this organization produced and that the White House was referring to was funded by two groups called Abvi and Allegran, each with that gave at least $50,000 for this. They are pharmaceutical companies that produce the pharmaceuticals used to chemically transition kids so they, they produced the study that they will benefit from financially, and that's the study that the White House used to support that it was a good thing to trans- transition kids from one sex to another. Pharmaceuticals, the FDA, the CDC is an incestuous revolving door. Every time I'm, every time I'm shocked, I've, this is not the first time I've even said this, every time I'm shocked by some conflict of interest, here's another conflict of interest that's more absurd and... And a lot of times they just they don't even get pointed out. Yeah, if you want to really get up to speed on how absolutely corrupt, like you said, the FDC and the CDC and all these other people are, FDA, I mean, um, read uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He's done a lot of work on this. He's got a book out now, and I don't have the name of it off the top of my head. But he's just absolutely uh, rock solid and expansive on this topic of of, of how corrupt all this is, the pharmaceutical companies and everything else. Well, I thought this would go a little bit more off the rails without Cassidy here, but it <laughs> seems to have gone pretty good. I mean, she definitely is the relative voice of reason, relative not only because she's related to us, but because a good moderator for us could could be a really wild person sometimes and still be the voice of reason. So I'd say we held it together pretty well yeah i'm surprised i was able to focus well enough again because i'm i'm it's late i'm yeah and and i'm mentally spent after we've done our first podcast so i was thinking um i may have a hard time focusing but hey that's what coffee is for if we did a little bit more of this and just turned our notes off and just had the same kind of conversation like we do usually do at night um We'd be at band for sure. 